0: Love, Jesus Christus, a Navika, Glory be to Jesus Christ, Glory be forever, it's Father Basil again doing another podcast, continuing to read from this catechism called Love is Our Mission, The Family Fully Alive, from the World Meeting of Families in Philadelphia 2015. And this section that I'm reading today is called... We have sexual ethics because sex has spiritual significance. Two different vocations do justice to the summons of being male and female in God's plan. Marriage and celibacy. Both of these disciplines converge on the shared premise that sexual intimacy between a man and a woman belongs and flourishes in the context of a covenant. Celibacy is the way that unmarried people confirm the truth and beauty of marriage. Celibacy and marriage both abstain from sexual acts that use others in conditional or temporary ways. Authentic, celibate abstinence is certainly not a disdain for sex, but rather honors sex by insisting that sexual intimacy serves and is served by the covenant. By living in the light of the covenant, married couples and celibate persons alike offer their sexuality to the community, to the creation of a society which is not premised on conscupiscence and exploitation. So we speak more about marriage and celibacy. But both ways of living are grounded in God's summons to love masculinity and femininity in generous self-giving ways. Both ways of living look to God's covenant and receive the fact of being created as male and female as occasions for joy. The discipline we impose on our love, the discipline of the covenant, is sometimes felt as a burden. But precisely this discipline honors and reveals the true meaning of love created in the image of God. Our creation as men and women in the image of God is why we are all called to the virtue of chastity. Chastity is expressed in different ways according to whether or not we are married. But for everyone, chastity involves refusing to use our own or other people's bodies as objects for consumption. Chastity is the habit, whether we are married or not, of living our sexuality with dignity and grace in the light of God's commandments. Lust is the opposite of chastity. Lust involves looking at others in utilitarian ways, as if the other's body existed merely to satisfy an appetite. True chastity does not disdain the body, but sees the body in the full dimensions of personhood. Chastity is a great yes to the truth of humanity created in the image of God and called to live in the covenant. Understood this way, chastity is something everyone is called to practice. All of the baptized are called to chastity. Married people are called to live conjugal chastity. Others practice chastity in continence. Chaste married love situates eros in the context of love, care, fidelity, and openness to children. Chaste celibacy, through its continence, concurs that sexual intimacy belongs in the context of love, care, and fidelity. The roots of this Christian teaching are ancient. As St. Ambrose wrote in the 4th century, There are three forms of the virtue of chastity. The first is that of spouses, the second that of widows, and the third of that of virgins. We do not praise any of them to the exclusion of others. This is what makes for the richness of the discipline of the church. How to live this teaching concretely through either marriage or celibacy and today's sometimes difficult circumstances, that task will guide us in the remainder of this catechesis. God created the whole material world out of his love for us. Everything we can see and touch, including our male and female bodies, was created for the sake of God's covenant. We do not always love as we ought, but God's pattern of love protects us and calls us back to our true natures. Marriage and celibacy are the two ways of being together as male or female in the light of God's covenant. And for this reason, both marriage and celibacy are considered chaste ways of living. And here are some questions for us to reflect upon. Why do Catholics enjoy and value the physical, tangible world so much? Think of anything beautiful, such as nature, bodies, food, or art. Why are these things so important in Catholic tradition? What is the purpose of creation? Is the physical world a blank slate, which we are free to rule and exploit according to our own desires? Things like rest, food, pleasure, and beauty are attractive, but sometimes we have deeply felt desires and appetites beyond what is good for us. How do we know when a desire is legitimate and good? How can we cherish and enjoy creation and our bodies in daily life? Why do you think Catholic practice traditionally includes both feasting and fasting, celibacy, and marriage? So I think um, to sum up what we read here today, that we have to remember that we are made female and male in this world god created us male and female to you know to share to show his love for us to show his concern for us but we can't misuse that image of god we can't misuse that image that he has in us for our own selfish purposes and unfortunately it's so hard for us in this world today to not be tempted by all the societal values that talk about, you know, sex as we 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 should just have sex whenever we want with anyone. We could just be free to do what we want and and just have as much pleasure as we want in this world. That's not how God made us. God made us to discipline ourselves so we can understand the true meaning of love created in the image of God. God bless you. Have a good day.